0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church of Fort Smith. Covenant is a church devoted to theological depth, intimate relationships, joyous worship, relentless evangelism, and sacrificial service. This week, we welcome Simon R. Scott, Minister of All Nations Church in Ilford, England. I'm pleased to bring God's word to you. Let's let's hear God's word from Matthew chapter 15, and we'll start the reading at verse 21. Let's hear God's word. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Uh, Let's pray again, for God's help. Father, what we know not teach us, what we have not give us, and what we are not, make us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. One of the great things about reading the Gospels is that Jesus does a bunch of things that we don't expect. He doesn't act uh, predictably. That's one of the challenges, isn't it? When you've been around Jesus, sometimes a predictability can can creep in, and we can become clichéd, We take him for granted. We think that we have him sussed, and then he catches us off guard. And sometimes what Jesus does, it ought to make us feel awkward. He doesn't do what we think he should do. That's the first thing I want us to see here. The first thing is that Jesus plays hard to get. In this scene, Jesus is the opposite of approachable, isn't he? Verse to a woman cries out to him for help. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now, if we've been reading through the gospel, we, we think we know what comes next. This is all pretty predictable. What do we expect Jesus to do? Well, of course, he is going to be filled with compassion, isn't he? He's going to look at her, maybe tears will fill his eyes. His heart will be stirred up as he he looks at this woman in her need, burdened with her daughter's distress. That is what we expect. But is that what happens? No. Look at verse 23. He did not answer her a word. He doesn't even make eye contact with her. He doesn't even acknowledge her can can you just imagine now what that felt like? Jesus completely ignores her. He did not answer her a word. Jesus blanks this needy and distressed woman. I don't know what you're like at replying to to whatsapp messages or, or text messages I, I'm pretty bad but 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 I think we all kind of consider it a bit rude, don't we? If if someone asks you a direct question or a direct text, if you don't reply at all, it's a bit rude. It's not good manners if you don't even acknowledge someone's approach. And yet Jesus reacts with a stony silence to this woman. But then, to make matters worse, um, the disciples, they, they try and shoo her away, don't they, in verse 23. Can you see that? It says, his disciples came and they begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. The the disciples, they they could have tried to help, couldn't they? Um, They they could have asked Jesus on her behalf. They they could have said, Lord, have mercy on her daughter. This is an an epic fail for the disciples, isn't it? You kind of want to say, oh, guys. And yet it is um, typical of the church, isn't it? So often we, we shoo people away from Christ rather than introduce them. The church, which should have been so keen to introduce others to Jesus, just often wants people to leave. The disciples are more worried about the decorum and the order getting disturbed than about the spread of the kingdom. We don't want noisy children in church do we? Uh, people who haven't been to church before, who don't know how to behave. We don't want the headaches and the mess of sin. And the church can put people off, can't it, rather than attract people. But then in verse 24, Jesus finally answers that the woman finally gets a response. Her persistence has, has paid off. What does he say to her? He answered her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 22 has told us this woman is a Canaanite. She's not a Jew. In other words, Jesus told her, you don't qualify. You're not the right kind of person. I'm not sent for you. So so isn't your jaw just dropping at this point? Jesus' answer, it, it is like he slams the door hard in this woman's face. It's like he's hanging up at a sign outside his church saying, only Jews, welcome. And yet, remarkably, this woman persists, doesn't she? Verse 25, she came and she knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And so Jesus replies again, and he answers, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, if, if, if Jesus said this, on live television today, he'd be in big trouble, wouldn't he? The BBC in England, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, it would all be labeled, this is, this is racist, this is misogynist, this woman is an oppressed minority. Jesus calls this Canaanite woman a dog. Now God's word is perfect, isn't it? And, and if its language makes us uncomfortable today, it is a problem that we have to handle rather than the Bible. Jesus has already said in chapter 7, verse 6, don't give what is holy to the dogs. And there is, Revelation 22 as well, it tells of us outside the heavenly city are the dogs. And there is something bestial, there's something animal-like, dehumanizing about what sin does to us. Sin turns us into dogs. But think about what Jesus says in verse 26. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The children's bread there, it describes... Everything God gave to Abraham and, and his descendants, we heard Genesis 12 earlier, um, the, the children's bread is, is God's covenant that he made with Abraham and his children, That the promise to be their God. But that's what the bread is, and Jesus says it is not right to take that bread and throw it to the Gentiles. Wow. So, so when I said that Jesus plays hard to get, I hope you can... See what I mean. Jesus doesn't exactly make it easy for this lady, does he? You would not call this approachable. He holds this woman back. He he keeps her at arm's length. Christ is well and truly testing her. First, there's no answer. Second, there's a point-blank refusal. Third, he calls her a dog. As well as that, the disciples are trying to away. They are four high hurdles this woman has to jump over. And uh, friends, this is a reminder that there are mysteries to, to Jesus. This is how Christ can act towards believers. This woman is a believer. We'll see that in a moment. But we don't represent Jesus well if we give the impression that the Christian life is all skipping and dancing. There are times when Jesus doesn't seem to hear. In chapter 12 of Matthew's Gospel, we're told that Jesus will not break a bruised reed. It's a lovely image. It's the idea that he's gentle with the broken-hearted. But this lady must have wondered, have I got the wrong person? doesn't Jesus say knock and the door will be opened? So why, when when she knocks at the door, is there no answer? Jesus, what are you up to? And there will be periods in your Christian life when Jesus plays hard to get. In his book, A Grief Observed, C.S. Lewis writes about the pain that he experienced at the death of his wife. He describes this, this shocking experience. He says, go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. That's what this woman experienced, isn't it? I think the book of Psalms tells us that. It's voiced in the Psalms. I know you've done a series recently on the the laments in the Psalms. There's a bit of the Song of Solomon where the bride says, "Um, I've lost him, can you tell me where he is? I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. I sought him, but found him not. I called him, but he gave no answer. It's confusing, isn't it? It's a disorienting experience. This isn't what I expected. No one told me Jesus would would, would play hard to get. And the reality is that unanswered prayer can be hard to take on it. It's a big subject, but, but have you brought your knee to Jesus and, and had no answer? Well, you're not alone. David experienced it. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. The church has experienced it. Lamentations, though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Jesus himself experienced it to me. Oh, my Father, if it's possible. Let this cup pass. Oh, my Father. Oh, my Father. So this passage should come as a comfort to you this morning. Take heart. You are not alone. In that moment, it is easy to think, I am the one sinner that Jesus has refused to accept. I'm the one sinner who Jesus is rejecting. But you're not alone. Jesus has wise purposes in playing hard to get. Someone's pointed out, it says he did not answer her. It doesn't say he did not hear her. Second, and see that the woman has faith in Christ. It's called great in verse 28, isn't it? Verse 28 is like a, an award ceremony in which Jesus gives this woman a, a medal for her faith. Oh woman, great is your faith. Back in chapter 14 on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus has rebuked his disciples for for being little in faith. Oh, you have little faith. But this woman's faith isn't little, it is large. It is great. Many of us, we would have fallen at the first hurdle, wouldn't we? We might have had a go at the second hurdle, but at the third, the fourth hurdle, we'd, we'd have given up. But this woman has jumped over four high hurdles to get to Jesus and is still trusting him, still asking him. And so it's like Jesus writes this woman a blank check, isn't it, in verse 28? He says, uh, This lovely promise be it done for you as you desire. He writes her a blank check whatever you desire, it's yours. It wouldn't be safe for Christ to write a blank check for some of us, would it? We have little faith. We'd misuse it. We'd immediately spend it selfishly on the wrong stuff. But this woman's faith, it is remarkable. So let me look at it with me. Look at it with me. What marks her faith? Firstly, it's based on Bible knowledge. This woman is a Canaanite, which means she wasn't taught the law of Moses growing up. She didn't go to Sunday school, Uh, But look at the title that she uses for Jesus in verse 22. Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. Isn't that interesting? This title, the Son of David, it's used in chapter 1, verse 1 of the book, to introduce Jesus to us, a biblical title. And so she clearly knows a bit of Bible. She's heard promises of a Messiah coming from David, who will come to the rescue. And so her faith, it is not just based on her feelings. It's not just a hunch. Her faith is feeding on the Bible and the Bible's storyline. All too often, Christians confuse faith with whatever it is they want. They can confuse faith with just the power of positive thinking. It's confused with, with optimism. Uh, the English soccer team will have a call in sports psychologist into the dressing room before big matches to try and get uh, the, the players in the right kind of zone, the right mindset. And uh, some Christians see Jesus as a spiritual version of that. In their minds, Jesus is about giving blank checks and, and success, making life open up as, as you want. But, but no, God's word and his law are the tracks that guide our faith, so that we start to want the things that God wants, not the other way around. If you do not know your Bible, you will not have faith. Second, her faith is totally submissive to Jesus, isn't it? Notice, each of the three times she speaks, she says, Lord. Verse 22, have mercy on me, O Lord. Verse 25, she kneels before him, a a dramatic, visible expression of of humility, and she says, Lord, help me. In verse 27, she says, yes, Lord. She knows this is not a meeting of equals. I think this is a title that is vanishing from our thinking about Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Lord. He is in charge. I wonder if you believe that. For a large number of professing Christians, it would be more accurate to say Jesus is retailer. Jesus is dealer. He's there to give us stuff. He's a good supplier. But if he doesn't come up with the goods, we might think twice about using him. Or Jesus, the entertainer, who occupies our attention and generates feel-good feelings on a Sunday morning. This woman can see, no, Jesus is Lord. And this means he is always, always right. A Lord has laws, doesn't he? A ruler has rules. She receives them. Notice how she isn't argumentative, is she? A lot of people I know would have stormed off in verse 26. How could he be so rude? How dare he? That's how the Pharisees reacted to him in the previous section... The Pharisees have been offended. As Jesus has said, the human heart is like a sewer. But not this woman. She doesn't argue with Jesus for calling her a dog. She embraces her identity as a dog, doesn't she? What does she say, verse 27? Yes, Lord. It's a beautiful response. You're a dog. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Spurgeon says she heard her sin bark in her so often that when Jesus called her a dog, she knew it was the right name. She doesn't deny or belittle her sinfulness. This is a submissive, humble faith in Christ. And we see this quality time and time again in Matthew's Gospel, that the Gentile centurion in chapter 8, an important man said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. The prodigal son says, I am not worthy to be called your son. The Apostle Paul calls himself less than the least of all the saints. Faith does not have a sense of entitlement. It doesn't think you owe me. She doesn't feel sorry for herself, does she? That This isn't a woman fighting for her rights. It is a woman fighting... For grace, a woman convinced that Jesus the Lord is her only hope. And this sense of, of unworthiness is important, isn't it? Even in heaven, we're told, the saints will throw their crowns on the floor. Now, I don't want to talk down um, your sanctification this morning, but you know, were it not for your justification, your sanctification would condemn you. If you have to stand on Judgment Day today on the basis of your current holiness, you're toast, aren't you? There's not one Christian alive on earth today whose current holiness is enough to give them peace with God. We are all unworthy dogs. Thirdly, notice her faith won't let Jesus go. This woman, she's like a a protester outside Parliament um, who won't take no for an answer. She's going to lie down and she won't move until the king answers her desire. She is not interested in what others think of her. She's not embarrassed. She's prepared to look silly. She's prepared to make a noise. And she keeps moving nearer to Christ, doesn't she? She's not put off. She shows patient submission to her lords. She's not questioning his lordship, she's not trying to dethrone him but she's appealing to his lordship. And her reply in verse 27 is very clever. She's, she's quick-witted. Uh, yes, Lord, yeah, I'm a dog. And yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She embraces Jesus' parable, and she works with it. it. She believes it. If she's a dog, that then, then she's his dog. If, she, if she's not entitled to the children's bread, then, then Jesus is a generous enough master that even a crumb will, will heal her daughter. She doesn't envy the Jews. She's thankful for the scraps. She's thankful for the leftovers of Christ, for the bits that the Jews would scrape into the kitchen bin and not care about. She's thankful just for that. And it's a beautiful response, isn't it? These words um, are used in the Anglican Communion Service, in what's called the Prayer of Humble Access. The Church of England isn't in great shape, but this language is said up and down the land in England uh, every, every week. We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not, so worth, we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. She won't let Jesus go, and even a crumb is good enough. She has dogged faith, doesn't she? She, she, She's tenacious like a dog. Her jaw has locked on, and she will not let him go. Submissive and passive are not the same thing, are they? Being submissive and being assertive are not contradictory Wives uh, take note. So you're called to submit to your husband, but it doesn't mean not taking the initiative. It doesn't mean not being assertive at times. This woman is submitting to Christ and arguing with him. She, She keeps on praying even though she doesn't get an answer. And finally, the woman's prayer gets through, doesn't it? She wrestles with the angel and prevails. Pastory, I think this ought to really encourage parents. Mums, keep praying to Jesus for your children. She's in the devil's grip, but she's still my daughter. And many mums, aren't they, are busy wanting to get their children, with all kinds of aspirations for their children, Uh, for their careers to get made, for their life to work out, not thinking about their souls. There are plenty of determined mothers, plenty of sharp, elbowed mothers who who have goals for their children. Many mums think their children are angels, but they're in Satan's grip, and they need the Son of God to rescue them. Great faith is based on the Bible, is totally submissive to Jesus, and won't let him go. Thirdly, see how Christ will free the nations from Satan's bondage. This scene is a little appetizer. It's the starter to get our mouths watering for what's to come. These breadcrumbs of grace are actually the sign of a coming feast. This passage is pregnant with grace, it is bursting with it. So, this woman is described by her nation, isn't she? Her nationality matters. Look what's on her passport. It's stamped Canaanite. Who were the Canaanites? If you know your Bibles, they're the the people who were driven out of the promised land. That They were the enemies. It's like the word Arab for the Jews today. This is an unlikely candidate to become a Christian. God has specifically chosen the children of Israel, the children of Abraham, sorry, the children of Israel, and yet Matthew's already introduced us to a Canaanite woman in his gospel back in chapter 1. Uh, Rahab, the prostitute, um, was a Canaanite. Rahab is one of only three women who, who Matthew singles out in the, 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 the birth story of Jesus. Uh, Rahab the Canaanite is flagged up. And if you know her story, Rahab is a woman who turns from her idols to the God of Israel and saves is saved um, her and her household So that's already an encouraging sign, it's a clue. But then notice how Jesus has deliberately gone to Gentile territory in verse 21. We're told Jesus went away and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. That is foreign territory up in the northwest. This is pagan land that he's gone to. As the Pharisees reject him in in verses 1 to 20... Their rejection means life for this Canaanite woman. Notice how her daughter is described in verse 22. She is severely oppressed by a demon. In other words, the devil is having a good time with this daughter, enjoying doing his worst to this daughter. There's a sense in which she's a symbol of the devil's grip on the nations his grip on the Gentiles. The devil has got the whole world under his grip, except for the Jews, the the household of Abraham. And the miracle itself is the casting out of a demon from a Canaanite girl. And it's like an advertisement. This miracle is a picture of what Christ has come to do. He has come to gather the nations and free them from Satan's captivity. And the plan is not for a few breadcrumbs to fall from the table to the Gentiles. The plan is for the doors to be blown wide open. And it's exactly what happens, isn't it? So yes, during Jesus' earthly ministry, he confined his activity to the Jews. He focused on the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And yes, for long centuries, God confined his grace to the Jews. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, he sends his disciples out, Go and make disciples of all nations. And that is how Matthew's gospel will end. Go and make disciples of all nations. I wonder if you feel like an outsider at church this morning. Maybe you feel like a black sheep of the family. There's nothing here for me. Not even breadcrumbs. Maybe you feel shut out, excluded, like you will never fit in. Let's be really clear. There are not certain ethnicities that Jesus isn't interested in. There aren't certain countries or religious backgrounds that he doesn't bother with. It is not that Christianity is the religion of the West, but if you're from somewhere else, it's not for you. No, he's come to save Canaanites. His grace reaches to every nation, every background, however far you may feel from from entrance into his his people. The vision of the United Nations in which all peoples of the earth are unified, it is noble, isn't it? And yet, Without Christ, it is a hopeless vision. It will never happen. The UN headquarters at New York will never unify the world. It is only under Jesus, the son of David, that the nations will be unified. And this whole scene in which Jesus tests this Canaanite woman's faith and puts this obstacle course in front of her is in order to showcase his grace Jesus isn't offering you some crumbs to nibble this morning. He is offering you, whoever you are, mouthfuls of the children's bread to to feast on as you discover his goodness. All you need to do is, is to trust him, to call out to him like this woman, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we give you infinite praise for Jesus the Lord, the Son of David. We confess ourselves to be dogs, unworthy even of the crumbs, and yet we give you hearty thanks that you fill our mouths, not just with crumbs, but with mouthfuls and mouthfuls of your generous grace. Help us in the the darkness and confusion at times in the life of faith, to keep clinging to our Lord Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you have grown in your knowledge of and love for God. Covenant Presbyterian is a PCA church that meets for worship on Sunday mornings at 10:30 a.m. Our address is 120 North 9th Street in historic downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas. For more information about Covenant, visit our website at www.cpcfs.org.